In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the uh, the podcast uh, lately, but I am having the most vivid dreams that I have had. I can't remember when I've had such incredible REM sleep. And um, um, I, uh, I don't know how to explain why it's happening exactly, uh, but I'm enjoying it, I must say. Not only feeling restorative in the morning, because that's what REM does, but also just kind of sitting back and enjoying the show. Uh, No nightmares, thank God. Just a lot of wonderful dreams, some of them which take me back. And uh, I remember them when I wake up in the morning. And we're going to talk about uh, dreams on this episode. I think we all love to talk about dreams and share our dreams. 
And uh, who better to do that with than Craig Webb? He's a dream analyst, author, researcher. He's also a widely traveled trainer and musical artist who's done pioneering lucid dream research at Stanford and designed peak performance devices distributed worldwide. His book, The Dreams Behind the Music, reveals little-known dreams that inspire tremendous success for over 100 famous artists and highlights principles and techniques anyone can use to harvest their own dreams for significant breakthroughs. He is the author of The Dreams Behind the Music and also a CD he's produced called Dreams and Dying, The Benefits of Dreams in Relation with Death. Craig Webb, welcome back. How are you? Richard, great to join you again. Thanks for having me on. It's been a little while. It has been, my fault entirely. Uh, but as I say, it's a, it's a great time to have you back on because I've just, I've been, as I say, right. so many uh, lucid dreams lately. Do we understand sort of physiologically or neurologically why sometimes we have, we remember our dreams and we have a lot of lucid dreams and other times we don't? Yeah, well, there's, there's science behind it. And certainly there's like more subtle things, emotional so I don't think we have one exact size fits all, but we can say first globally that usually, and this is a little less obvious, I'd say treat it dreams if, if you can find some value there, and we'll, we'll talk about that plenty tonight. But if you can find some value there, if you make it worthwhile, then treat it like a friend. Treat dreams, which is really our, our subconscious, our, our, our inner, deeper self. If we treat it like a friend, it comes, it's invited, you know, we welcome it. If we spend time a little bit with it, maybe recording dreams in the morning, it's more likely to come again, especially if we start acting on dreams. You know, if somebody comes over, gives you a gift and you, you use it and benefit others with it, just like dreams often do, by the way, then uh, it's more likely to visit again. So that's kind of the overview. Think of it like a friend and, and treat the friend with respect because probably it's the the one friend that'll stay with us through life and, and maybe beyond life too. Interesting. Uh, it uh, is a gift too because when we're dreaming, that means we're getting REM sleep and it is restorative. So it's giving us the gift of good health, right? Yeah, good health. Well, uh, the, the health, a lot of the health benefits come in different cycles of sleep. Uh, the REM dreaming is, uh, you know, it's during the stage one where we're actually pretty close to waking state if we looked at the brain waves, the, the neuro, neurophysiology. Uh, the only difference, of course, the for most people, the big muscles are turned off, uh, which is good. Otherwise, we'd act out our dreams. And that's a pretty serious disorder, REM behavior disorder. People do that. Uh, by the way, a little word, because I know some of the listeners may have seen that or their partner does that, or, or maybe they have it. If you do find that you're acting out your dreams, maybe more than, you know, once a year or once in a while, rare while, then maybe get it checked because it can contribute to more serious things later. Uh, you know, essential tremor, even Parkinson's. It's good to catch these things a bit earlier and, and there are treatments. So neurophysiologically, we have these sleep cycles. We have the REM periods as part of stage one, the kind of lightest sleep. And we're doing everything that we can do, I guess, in waking life and, and more, of course. And then in deeper states, some people use the, the phrase a little differently, dreams, you know, that word to say some of the things that happen in deeper states. And some people have been in the sleep lab and I said, oh, I was just thinking, you know, they woke me up and said, hey, what was going on? I said, oh, I was just kind of thinking in a quiet mode. They said, actually, you were in stage two sleep. So it's a subjective thing. It might look a little different, but on the, the sleep graph, all my muscles were completely turned off and and my thinking was, I guess, a little bit different frequency than normal waking rational mind, like I'm talking. 
And then you can start to see these circadian or ultradian rhythms happen for everybody. In fact, all mammals, uh, and even a recent study, you might like this, Richard, is they proved from, you know, pretty strongly, I guess it's not 100% because we didn't get them to write out their dreams and, and talk to us on the radio, but they proved that spiders are going into REM sleep also, wow. watching their eye movements. So even like, I guess, what's that, arachnids, insects? Are, uh, are having uh, at least what it seems like circadian rhythms and these sleep cycles. So that's kind of interesting to say that's across all species. Wow. Wow. I, yeah, I had no idea. No idea. Um, so I don't know, you know exactly why I'm dreaming more these days or remembering my dreams, but I think a lot of people may be finding uh, the same thing. And, and, and it may have something to do with just the state of the world. We just came out of, you know, three years of the pandemic and right. the world is topsy-turvy ec economically and geopolitically. Uh, to what extent do you think that has an impact on people's dreams? Uh, well, dreams and, and our emotions generally, which dreams often speak about and, and for, since dreams are kind of emotions in a, in a visual language and in one way of looking at them. They'll definitely come more and, and usually be clearer or stick with us a little longer when we're learning a lot. Uh, obviously, if we're sleeping lighter, like when we travel or maybe if we're sick even or we get disturbed sleep, we'll have more dream recall. But if we're learning a lot in our life, example, maybe we have financial stressors now with all the inflation or the companies trying to come back. Maybe we have social challenges since it's, you know, we have to kind of pick up actively after the, the COVID limitations and the isolation, which were really helpful, but now they can be a little more limiting, right? So being smart about it, but connecting socially and dreams are, are kind of looking at all the different ways we can kind of get back to some of these really important, fulfilling things. And not for everybody, not always. I would say one thing that might be affecting you, Richard, this is a guess since I don't know exactly, but it's possibly winter. You know, we're a little more inward. It's, let's say, hibernation. In French, we have hiver, which is the hibernation. And uh, we're more likely to kind of be subtler, quieter with our, our mind in the hibernation. I don't know if you're a big outdoors enthusiast. But assuming that you're a little bit quieter, then you're more on par, connected. Let's say waking and dreaming minds are more linked. Uh, so that might be the vivid recall. We're kind of here in the heart of winter. What's the, the temperature and weather like over there? Uh, we're into the minus, um, I think today it was around minus two, minus three, but it's been kind of up Not and down, right? which is yeah, a bit of a headache because we have a backyard hockey rink and one day it's a rink, the next day it's a pool. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you got up and down weather. Well, maybe that, uh, I just asked because some things physiologically will affect our, our dream recall, obviously medications, alcohol, drugs, but temperature, it's not, it's less known, can really affect our sleep cycle a lot. A uh, little tip on the side here for parents, if if you or especially your children are having anything like night terrors, which are not usually much visuals and usually early in the sleep, maybe within the hour and a half, three, two, three hours before or just after bed, very upsetting, waking, screaming sometimes, shouting out, not too much visual storyline, sometimes a little. Uh, that's often affected by temperature, body temperature or room temperature, which will affect the bed and the body. So just watch out for some of these subtler, subtler temperatures. You got the, the heat's pretty stable, no extra blankets, no windows open there? No, no, it's pretty stable. Okay, yeah. so it's not probably temperature for you, but uh, it's good for people to know that. And yeah. maybe that can help a little bit with night terrors if their kids have those. Any connection between dreams and the lunar cycle? 
There could well be. I'm not aware of research on that. That's pretty interesting. We've heard uh, the stories of full moon. We kind of have like craziness. Uh, I believe someone's done it, but I can't pull it up off the top of my head. So well, I can't help you much there. Certainly okay. the menstrual cycles can, they're not always tied with the lunar cycle, but the menstrual cycles can definitely affect women's dreams quite a bit. All right. What is What else is going on then in terms of your research with dreams? Any new developments? Uh, well, the spiders was a little interesting one that mm. I kind of found exciting. Uh, one recent research that uh, I wasn't involved in, but I have done actually similar experiments at Stanford and since then, uh, is that uh, lucid dreamers while asleep, you know, scientifically proven with usually chin electrodes, so they can prove there's no muscle tonus, in other words, fully, fully relaxed, not just relaxed, but actually fully asleep, uh, are able to do in a dream, you know, do a little eye signal. How does that work? That's kind of the proof of being lucid. You know, sleeping in there and in a bed, probably a sleep lab, eyes closed, muscles all entirely relaxed, and the uh, the dreamer goes into their sleep cycle, and then they realize, oh, I'm dreaming. That's lucid dreaming. So we call lucid or or conscious. And they'll do a little signal, you know, in their dream. Maybe their dream finger goes left and right three times. Don't forget their physical fingers just lying in bed, but the dream finger. And then the eye movements are actually tied to the dream eye movements. And so we can see on their sleeping body, oh, look at that. They're conscious in a dream, a little eye movement on the on the graph. And then uh, the newer research, that's been, been done for quite a while. We did that at Stanford and kind of went big around the world. That was 30 years ago. But uh, now they're uh, showing that uh, actual mathematical problems can be sort of communicated to a dreamer, performed during a dream, simple stuff, you know, maybe two times 10 or this kind of thing, and then given back as an answer with number of eye movements or other ways to communicate. So two-way communication, which has also been done before, but actual problem solving and kind of starting to have a, a pretty interesting result that we can bring back things from the dream world which uh, that's kind of what, I, what I'm after here, the benefits. Where does the rubber hit the road? How can we start to bring back things, you know, insights, creative gifts, maybe research experiments that can really show people, yeah, we can be conscious in dreams. We can guide the content of dreams if we intent, have ten, intentions before sleep. Have you ever slept on a topic intentionally, Richard, and kind of dreamt on it, I think we say? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, what mother has not told their child, just sleep on it, just sleep on it. And we right, sleep that, on it. It's, yeah, they know something. <laughs> yeah. And some of the, the greatest inventions worldwide uh, have come from that. This isn't recent, but I, I think you might like the story just kind of intuitively came to mind. The M9 gun, not too many people know that specific name, but actually came to an engineer in a dream, Bell Labs, I believe, uh, engineer. Uh, just towards, let's say, the middle, late uh, Second World War, so a little while ago. But at the time, the Germans were pretty strong, and I guess Japan was just getting into the fray, and everything was going, you know, a little bit question mark for, for <laughs> the world. And the, this engineer dreamt of a new way to shoot down planes very quickly and accurately with, I guess, what sort of turned out to be the first computer-guided gun something like that, you know, a rough early version, but with a whole like setup to actually automatically detect trajectories and a pretty intricate dream that they acted on. They got funding and ended up really quickly changing the course of the war. You know, I think it went from under 20, 30% of shooting down planes, I think under 20% shooting down planes in like a, a typical raid to like 85, 90. So you can't exactly measure those things, but you can start to see a pretty strong influence that probably ended up saving millions of lives long-term. Oh, for sure. I mean, the um, 
the Luftwaffe was knocked out of the game relatively early in the war. And that was, you're right. I mean, that uh, Japanese later. And yes. so that was, I think, uh, sort of Pearl Harbor inspired the funding for that. So uh, it might have helped kind of wrap it up with the Japanese more. But I think it's even variations of that are still used nowadays. So we say, wow, like a simple one single person's dream can infect, uh, affect like world events in significant ways. Absolutely. Sure. I've interviewed many inter inventors over the years okay. on this radio program and on Coast to Coast and so forth. And um, a couple of them, uh, at least a couple, have told me virtually the same thing. That is that first they invented in the dream world. And right. It's invented in the garage or the basement or wherever the prototype yeah <laughs> first the dream though i like that it kind of comes with uh, my theory of physics which i teach and kind of explain it's not uh, something you might hear in the classroom at university although i do have a degree in physics so i guess i'm allowed to expand a little bit on that but let's say levels of what i call there's not really a name for this spectrum that i'm going to describe but manifestation maybe a concretization something like that and uh, people kind of know, oh, if I think something, I can act on it, create the invention. Uh, so that's two levels of about, let's say, four. And I don't think it's exactly always linear or in order. But many people don't realize that before the thought comes of, hey, you know, I'll invent an M9 gun or, hey, I'll invent a new idea for the sewing machine. <laughs> that was Elias Howe. He made the electric sewing machine and many, many other inventions. Google, which I think many of our listeners here use maybe almost every day or at least each week, came directly from a dream to the early CEO, Larry Page. Uh, and so these ideas come, but people don't connect. The first thought we act on may have come from a dream. Some people do, do realize the connection and record the dream. And then there's levels after that. If the, I use up words here. We're kind of making up words. If that kind of DNA of that idea, let's say that invention had a lot of charm or maybe charisma or public potential, uh, it can also go to what kind of a mass audience. The invention can go worldwide. It can become a radio show guest who speaks to many on Richard's show. It can be uh, some maybe song like the 200 artists that I wrote about that really reaches many, you know, number one Grammy, et cetera, stings every breath you take came that way and a few others. So. If it has enough charm, that simple dream goes through thought, action, and then hopefully mass world event, if it can be helpful. Well, you talked about uh, musicians and artists, and that, of course, was the subject of uh, your book, The Dreams Behind the Music. Can you share another right. uh, another story, another artist who uh, who sincerely believes that their, their music is, I don't know, that, I know Paul McCartney has talked about this, you know, he's an intern. Sure. The music he doesn't write the songs the song they they write themselves yeah yeah and bono says he loves dreaming at night even john lennon said the best songs come to him night a lot of top top artists which i wrote about say yeah of course i think sting's quote on it is says any artist who doesn't look at their dreams maybe include them maybe dream musically is throwing away at least half their potential and he's had some pretty good successes so i think he knows what he's talking about I don't think we have to have that connection, not necessarily with music. We might uh, you know, some, use some of the same principles universally. And let's say a doctor gets new ideas for treatments, operations, helps, helping the patients or diet even maybe. Or a mother gets ideas how to better school or have her kids like learn different less life lessons, things like that. So it doesn't have to necessarily be artists. But I thought the language of music was kind of neat and it's a natural fit for creativity. Another one I really like is uh, Clary Croft. 
No, I don't share this one too often, but I think it's a great fit because he's Canadian. Uh, he's a, I think a, he might still be, but at least before he was a radio host with CBC. And uh, he, cla- he gathers music, sort of musicologist, I guess. And he said, whoa, I had this fascinating story because I met him. He said, I heard this story about this uh, ship, a sailing ship. Uh, it's called the Annie M. Pride. Uh, this story is in my book, I think in the precognition chapter, because it kind of has that sigh effect. And he said, it was an amazing tale. Let me tell it to you. First off, the I guess you have to know the ship was all geared up, lots of money spent, I guess, on the crew and maybe getting all the supplies and things that would go bad, you know, fish and whatever else. So they couldn't just leave it forever. And the morning that they were to set sail, I think to uh, Mabu, Nova Scotia, if I remember correctly, the first mate's wife, so not the first mate, sometimes it's the wife of, you know, had this really very upsetting dream where she saw the Annie M. Pride with all these big black sails and kind of a storm and a shipwreck and everything, but black sails really stuck out in an ominous feeling, which is usually a bit of a sign for a premonition. Mm-hmm. And she, I don't know what her background was, but very strongly she said, you're not going. <laughs> she told her husband waking up, no, 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 no. I saw this and I had this dream and no, no, that's what's going to happen. I can feel it. And he said, yeah, but you know, he spent all the money on the fish and he has no other first mate. So I imagine they discussed it a bit, but you know, long story short, he came to the captain and said, so sorry, you know, I'm going to lose my marriage. And I don't think you should go, but my wife said this, so I can't join you. And that day, I guess he, the captain just followed his, you know, best business wisdom. And he, uh, he went, but he took his son as the first mate instead. Sadly, that story did come true in Mabu, Nova Scotia, a big storm. And they, they had a shipwreck and lost everything, all the crew and all the thing. And it, it doesn't end there because first off, that's sad. And I guess a person saved by acting on a dream and upsetting, but important precognition. But then Clary, who, who's telling this story, says, you know, I thought that was an interesting name and I thought I recognized it. And then I went and looked on my childhood wall back in my, my parents' house and it's still there. The uh, the big half ship, it was this half model of a ship and it was Annie M. Pride. Wow. Like, what? And so he asked his parents, where did we get this? And he said, oh, that's the half model, I think, or the, there's a special name. I don't know if it's called half model. But when they make a ship, I didn't know this, they actually make a usually about a one-twelfth sized uh, replica and usually just half. But to find out if everything fits and works and sort of balances well, I guess. And he said, I had the half model on my wall my entire childhood. And his mom says, oh, that's because your, your maternal relative is Annie M. Pride. And her husband was the captain and he lost his son. It was sad. He said, what? So the song was kind of in his family lineage and he was the one who brought it to the public. So there's a little bit of interesting links with that one. And I like it because it's real applied dreaming, a life saved. Wow. Yes. Yes. Um, My uh, grandmother, her, I don't know if this was her best friend, but a friend she described her. I remember her telling this story Um, and her husband they were just newly married and they were supposed to get on the empress of ireland and of course we know that that sank in the uh, the st lawrence river right. and actually more lives were lost than in the titanic but the day uh the day before she came to my grandmother uh crying saying i had this dream and i don't want to get on that ship and oh, wow. she ended up going she did not listen to her Oof. dream there's also a story of uh lindsey wagner do you remember lindsey wagner the bionic, sure. bionic woman she had a, a premonition or a dream, and she was supposed to get on a flight out of uh, Chicago, O'Hare 
uh, airport. I can't remember the the year of this. Was I think it was in the early seventies. It was okay. a very horrible plane crash. Uh, um, everyone on on board died, but Lindsay Wagner listened to her premonition. She did not get on that Thank plane. Goodness. Um, are premonitions? I mean, huge, are they dreams or is that like kind of is it like? Yeah, I mean, is that an actual dream or is that like a remote viewing or? Yeah, you know, it's a good question and a good point. I think generally that we have lots of words uh, that you we use for different, let's say, subjective, usually mostly subjective experiences, and it's important because there's certainly not one state. There's plenty of states, and I don't think uh, one size fits all when it comes to the actual experience either. We try to group them together. So here I use the word precognition, which is probably a fit because we tune into something ahead that later proved to be very accurate. Uh, just for science, we like to verify it. Actually, research shows, Richard, that one in 12, just like a, a fairly high statistical, uh, I guess, quantity study, the N, a high N, proved that one in 12 people have verifiable precognitions. And the, the criteria was something pretty rare, you know, not just the dog came home, which was probably going to happen, but something pretty rare, like the ship's going to go down in a storm, like around Nova Scotia or, or whatever. And then also, which the person shared it beforehand. So when we put that, it's actually not too uncommon. One in 12, like eight, 8.5%, I think. And then, uh, you know, one, uh, I think one out of two people say they've had something, but they can't always tell the story. So it's coming often, it's coming to everybody. Personally, I think it's a natural skill. It's one of the inner senses. I use that phrase, borrow it from Jane Roberts. But let's say a perception mechanism that's not quite the same as the physical senses, but not too far away, an inner sight, usually sometimes audience or a clear audience. We can hear something at a distance or in the future. But that gives us valuable information that we can act on. That's where kind of the rubber hits the road. And usually that's where the premonitions are valuable. You'll like this one because it's pretty close to the Lindsay Wagner uh, and described in much more detail in my book with other extra stories, which I won't get into, the backup singer and all kinds of things. But there was a fairly well-known band, Leonard Skinner. Mm. I don't know. You didn't take your son to see that one. You, you took him to see the zombies, <laughs> no, they're not, right? They're not quite that old. Well, they're still actually, the, the, the remaining members are still out there touring. Yep, us, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, the remaining members, as you know, is kind of the key phrase there. So Ronnie Van Zandt was the original lead singer. Uh, and actually, this is a little side story, but one of their biggest hits, Sweet Home Alabama, was directly dream-inspired. Sort of ah. the, the riff, the counterpoint riff came from the, by the guitarist. But in this case, uh, the backup singer, Jojo Billingsley, she had a dream and she was kind of invited. I think, let's see the order it happened. Yeah, they said, because she, she wasn't on the tour at that moment, she said, oh, maybe I'll join you guys. And so Van Zandt called her up and said, hey, can you join us in the next show? I think it was New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And then she had a really terrible precognition that night, the flame, flames all around the plane, lots of bodies strewn all over, you know, real massacre. And she he said the next day, I'm so sorry, I can't come. I just had this terrible, and you guys better not go too. There's always this little test though, because her mom said, oh, it's just a bad dream. Just go and be with, be with your band. You know? She goes, no, 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 no. And she listened. Unfortunately, the next day, uh, actually they, they took it into account. I don't want to just blow off. They actually had a discussion. Two of the guys booked on a different plane to the band members. And then finally said, okay, we'll take this plane as our, I guess, last flight on the plane. It turned out to be their last flight for many of them. And then they unfortunately had the terrible crash that she, she saw in her dream. So 
lives saved or lost because the dream not followed. It's not usually that extreme, hopefully. You know, simple premonitions might be an inspiration for a song, uh, which can be a positive future, right? And to answer your question, usually when the visuals are really clear, and that's kind of like salient, some people use the word, oh, it was a vision, or they might say remote viewing. I usually use the phrase remote viewing for something that's at a distance, but presently existing. Mm. So not necessarily future, but you know, people do remote viewing on the future also. I just use the word, a little different word, maybe premonition. But let's say tapping into inner perceptions for something that we can't physically perceive at this moment. And uh, an interesting little side note here for those who follow these principles and like some of the, I guess, the thinking and framework behind it. Uh, Jane Roberts and I guess the Seth material, some of your, your listeners might know, actually said that premonitions, telepathy, and clairvoyance, clairaudience, hearing things or seeing things at a distance, they're actually all the same inner sense. And, you know, for a while that puzzled me. Wow, things at a distance that exist now and things we see in the future, that's the same, let's say, way of perceiving. But then I kind of thought about it. Oh, wait a minute. Things that I will see, things that might be at a distance that I might see if I'm remote viewing, I only find out about them later. Or things that I might kind of intuit that somebody else thinking, etc. You know, uh, I think Edgar Casey had a one of his dreamers had a powerful dream where they they said your sister's having very bad suicidal thoughts, and he got it. He sort of interpreted. You better go talk to her right away. It wasn't just symbolic; it was actual like warning. You tuned in telepathically. So that kind of telepathic dreams, and by the way, they saved her to end that story positively. She was having pretty strong suicide and they had no idea. So it turns out that might be the same inner perception. I don't think we need to know that, but I find it interesting that they sort of, if you get freedom from time, then you can start to perceive things as premonitions. If you get freedom from space, you can start to have remote viewing, seeing at a distance, clairvoyance. And then I guess if you have freedom from being separate people, let's say on some level, some deep level, we're all one, or maybe we can tune into the collective subconscious, then telepathy ends up being pretty closely related. So freedom from being separated, so separate that we seem to be. Time travel is possible. Time travel. In yeah. our dreams, in our dreams. We'll take a quick time out more of my conversation on dreams with Craig Webb. Stay with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Craig Webb. We're talking about dreams. He's the author of The Dreams Behind the Music and also the CD Dreams and Dying, The Benefits of Dreams in Relation with Death. Um, I recently interviewed someone talking about uh, ayahuasca and um, the people that, they actually have a name, I can't remember now, the, the, the people that sort of guide you through the whole ayahuasca ritual and make like sure. Like a shaman, maybe a priest. Yeah, they are like a shaman. But but they they... They almost he he described as um, the the shaman. They 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 sing these songs that they that that are given to them by the plants themselves. They say right. download, yeah. which is kind of an interesting concept. But you you, you <laughs> write about um, shamanism and dreams and music. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, there are dream downloads. I use the same phrase, sort of those what I call overnight deliveries. You know, some of our are common universal symbols, you know, overnight uh, FedEx, I hate to say brand names, <laughs> they come to us. Uh, but what I just want to kind of go a little more general, and then we'll, we'll get to the specifics, that many people may not realize, and this is almost shocking level of research, Richard, after uh, kind of researching, I think a little more anecdotally smaller in numbers, but I encourage anybody to go larger, and I think they'll find the same result. The moment people intend to have like a musical or a sound dream content you know i want to think a dream about a song or maybe a new song and original it seems to work pretty much seven out of seven uh people in my first study had it and two of them had three the first night uh, and then uh, tons of people who are reviewing i guess uh, proofreaders for my book were having a lot of success with that you know first night and then one person said well i had a song but i wanted an original i said well did you kind of program or have an intention before sleep about having an original and he said, uh, no, I just said music. I said, okay, we'll try a little clearer intention, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And uh, he said, the next night he said, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I had an original song. I said, do you record? He goes, no. I said, well, you might not get tons more because he didn't really honor the gift. But at least he, he had success that, hey, dreams answer. And I just want to encourage listeners, you know, just press that little icon or maybe click the button that says, yeah, I can have a soundtrack to my dreams. Why not? And you might have a full richer experience each night if you recall dreams, or maybe you'll just wake up with a song in your mind, you know. And even if you're not an artist, you could probably find an artist or a musician friend who might help you if you want to bring it to more people. So, yeah, and I kind of use this word a little loosely now, but I think it's accurate. We could say rock and roll shamans are the ones who brought us many of the great hits. And what's a shaman? Someone who goes, gets inside info, usually something that can serve many people or at least their tribe or community. And then acts on it, brings it out. You know, the Tuvan shamans, for example, in Russia, they actually, you know, will dream music, sing it to their client or get the client to sing it if they write it out a little bit. But usually they'll sing it because it's easier. And then that's kind of their re recipe or let's say their therapy for that day or that week is just hum and sing this song. It's going to heal you. And obviously it's worked over time. And, and many indigenous have something pretty close to that. The aboriginals in the U.S., uh, some of the tribes all around the Apaches and 
etc. So there's obviously lots of data coming, sometimes like war songs, sometimes healing, peace. Uh, and it's probably a pretty natural thing. They're in the belief system, most of the indigenous people who have this, that, hey, it's easy, it's natural. And especially if I'm a shaman, I might get songs that help others. So I don't think it's too unusual, but we don't really have it so much in our culture, which could be uh, interesting to change, right? I'm trying to change it with my book and some of the, the interviews. You're helping here a little bit. If we get people to dream and share their inner gifts, uh, we can all become, let's say, fun public urban urban shamans helping out the the community of our our cities and culture here with some of our inside gifts and info well we used to call that magic right source magic, magic. where yeah. where uh shaman artists um scientists back in the day they would go explore these other realms come back with knowledge that was that was what they called magic and that really informed culture and science and the arts and but we've kind of Maybe because of, I don't know, um, some sort of a disconnection. I talk about that. I wrote a whole, uh, I guess, half a chapter about that. There is some big disconnects. These are my guesses because I don't think anybody could say exactly what happened. But there was a pretty big shift with Newtonian sort of nuts and bolts science, kind of the mind. I think largely or partly started at least by uh, Rene Descartes. I think, therefore, I am cogito ergo sum. Uh, so I present in the book, and maybe I'll present for your audience here. How about a, you know, I don't know if it's an upgrade, but something for our new millennia to go geek or go some, I think, therefore, I'm, we could say, I dream, therefore, who am I? <laughs> I like so More that. a question mixed in there. And that'll help us, you know, think about our identity. Who would I like to become? Who can I grow into? And, and not just locked into the thinking mind, which probably limits a little bit the intuitive dreaming side. Uh, and then probably other factors. The 60s was a bit of a rebirth, but in some cultures and countries, it went a little bit the other way. So probably depends on the exact culture and if it's more or less accepted. You know, your shamans who dream, the plant gave me this song, or like in the South American rainforest, they say, yeah, I can communicate across the uh, the forest. And I say, how you, you hit the, the big roots on the saibo trees? He goes, yeah, that works. We use them as drums, but I just talk to the tree and it'll tell my friend on the other side. Like, you know, we, we say, well, this is a cell phone. He goes, oh, what's that? That's strange. For us, it might be strange that they use the trees as their cellular phones. But I guess in the culture and with those practices and upbringing, it's not that unusual. And we just kind of keep our mind open. That's what I suggest. Um, because you research dreams and you've, um, you know about, you know, intention and so forth. Do you, do you have a richer dream life than the average person? Do you think? I'm not sure if richer, maybe a little more intentional. I think anybody can have crazy rich dreams. And sometimes uh, some people prefer to leave it wild, kind of untamed, maybe not too many intentions, which is good, especially artists. I don't think it's terrible to kind of have an intention or a focus. It can be general, like, hey, tonight I'm going to dream a great new song since I'm a musical artist. Or maybe tonight I'm going to have a new way to do this process in the company, which one businessman uh, did and it saved a million dollars for the next two months on a process. So. You know, some of these things can play off, play out pretty big in, in terms of, but it might be something as simple. Hey, could I have a diet dream or dear subconscious, dear body wisdom, if you don't want to think about dreams. Hey, could you give me guidance that might help a little bit with my, I don't know, flu or with my sore leg. One of my clients uh, was having really bad, I guess, 
temperature and sort of flu-like symptoms. This is well before COVID. But for about like two, three weeks, which was pretty unusual first off, and then especially three weeks was extremely unusual. And I said, well, why don't you just ask your inner realm, you know, I say, put it on the internet, put it out there on the internet of dreams <laughs> and see what comes, you know, maybe somebody po- I'll answer your post kind of thing. And he said, well, I had a really clear dream that night. I'm not sure what exactly it meant. So I didn't try to interpret it, but it was somewhat clear that big leeches were oozing out of my legs. And strange thing is that morning, so a bit surprising to him because he'd had two, three weeks of this. That morning I was like full back. So whatever leeches or energy, let's say, or emotions maybe oozed out of his legs, it seemed to clear up physiologically. So sometimes just simple intentions. I don't know if richer, but a little more intentional. And if you start to explore lucid dreaming, you can talk about that, or intentional conscious dreaming, you can actually guide in real time. You can still do crazy things, so it can be rich, but you can, let's say, uh, have a little bit more influence or a little bit more choice about it. We'll pick up on that on the other side as we discuss uh, dreams with Craig Webb. Don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Craig Webb is uh, with us. So let's talk a little bit about um, about lucid dreams and um, what is the what is the purpose of a, of a lucid dream? Do you think? Uh, well, it's a spontaneous. I don't know if I'll try to expose what the purpose is. Uh, what some benefits that could come from it. Uh, is that we can start to at least have a little more connection between waking and dream. First off, usually people say when they're conscious or let's say present in their dream. I want want to use that word conscious every time because some people say, well, it was a lot more vivid. I felt present, but I couldn't necessarily choose or act. But I kind of knew I was dreaming. So let's let's say I, I say lucid's not on or off. There's lots of different parts of the brain and some might be more active and some might not. So lucid probably has a few more active. But maybe memory's not there. Maybe choice, will isn't there. But presence, vividness could be there. So on and off lucid. But if they say a little more conscious, I say, oh, okay, did you try an experiment? So we can start to, let's say, just have fun or, or be kind of a subjective scientist, a phrase I made up, to explore, hey, what's possible? I'll give you a few ideas for anybody who hasn't really tried it. You can definitely go through walls. Most people are able to do that. Not every time or go through objects. So that could be fun. Go through the ceiling, try going through right into the center of the earth. That's an interesting one. Uh, You can usually fly or float. Uh, There seems to be variations on what that is. Most people find a very light, free, enjoyable flying dreams. Uh, And then when you choose it, you can go a little faster, a little higher, a little farther. Watch out for those uh, electrical or telephone wires. That's a common one that people run into, which I think is maybe a subjective limitation. They can realize and use a little bit of intellect or mind to break through, you know, pass the wires. Why not? Uh, And then other things that could be very interesting, personal for you. Dear Dreamweaver, what do I most need to know? Falling asleep? Great question anyway. And if present or conscious in a dream, often there might be a background voice or a scenario that whips up, 
which might offer a very deeply profound spiritual revelation, might be an insight about our relationship, our life, maybe health. Uh, but it's a bit of an open-ended question. So guiding the content a little bit with, hey, bring me what I most need to know or experience. And yet it's not just leaving it loosely out there. And I just encourage a little bit of guidance because some people are afraid of the control thing. I say, well, first of all, any recurring dreams are usually a lesson not learned, sort of a guidance. So it's usually good to have a little bit more will, even if just to remember it and maybe act on it. But let's say we're having recurring chase dream, like one of my clients, Mimi, she said, uh, I have this terrible chase dream every time I wake up in cold sweat. And by the way, it ruins my day at the office too, because I'm still thinking about it and I didn't get much sleep. So I said, okay, well, there's different ways to handle it. But one of the ones she liked, she goes, yeah, I want to try that lucid dreaming stuff, conscious dreaming. I said, okay, and gave her some tips and techniques. And she grabbed my sleeve a week later and said, I did it, I did it, I did it. I did what? She said, oh, well, I had the same recurring chase dream, sort of, except this time I was in a car. Uh, usually I'm on foot running. But this time in a car, I looked in the rear view mirror and I saw that guy. What guy? Oh, the guy from the other dreams. Okay. Uh, you said it was new. She goes, well, I saw him and I still had the fear. I got out and was running on foot. But that was enough to kind of trigger my memory because you said, hey, practice before sleep about maybe something specific that keeps happening in the recurring dream and then change the ending. You said that. I said, yeah, I probably said that. <laughs> and she said, well, I changed the ending. I whirled around and I said, this is my dream and you can't hurt me. <laughs> You know, kind of imagine she's fully asleep, but she's pretty conscious and being proactive here. And she said, it was very weird. For the first time I saw his face because I was always facing the other way. And I recognized he had beautiful eyes and he had a loving expression. He said, hurts you? What do you mean? I've been running after you this whole time to tell you, really, I, I love you. Oh, wow. And she said, what? You know, and, you know, they had a little bit of discussion and then eventually perfect psychological symbolism here. He took her hands and kind of merged into her body. Uh, a psychologist might say she maybe healed or integrated part of her shadowy dark side or maybe her assertiveness or male aspect or something. But she said, practically speaking, I wanted to tell you that day I wasn't tired. I was energized when I woke up. And, and she said, in that week, I didn't have any more of those dreams. And I checked two years later and she goes, nope. I kind of got the lesson. So lucidity can be really helpful in recurring dreams, especially we guide it a little more. We don't have to control the heck out of it, but maybe we change our own reaction. That's a powerful change, story. That can change our reaction to waking life. It's an emotional skill that translate well to waking life. You mentioned one in 12 have um, uh, prescient dreams. Well, pretty verifiable prescient dreams, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that might... Might that number not be higher if more of us could remember our dreams? In other words, maybe, um, you know, you dream something, you forget about it. That thing that you dreamed about actually happened, but because you forgot about it, you can't say, well, sure. yeah. Or so you didn't tell anybody because you don't believe these things are possible. So I would say different frameworks around it, including, let's say, remembering dreams, which probably comes from some of the beliefs that, hey, they're valuable. <laughs> You know, we're, we're getting some inner emails on the internet every night, or maybe there's an inner Skype we can visit with our friends and not even have to like go across the country or, or just get on that video again, which we're on often. Yeah, we can do all these in, on the inner versions of some of the, these outer apps, no problem. So when we see the value, then it's just easier to bring them in our life, recall them. We sort of invite the friend in. I was talking about early, the friend. How? Usually just realizing that there's value is a big shift. Short term, I can offer other techniques and I will here, 
but I'd say long-term, less obvious, but just say, I really want it because of that value. And we'll change the, the, the word here a little bit to help people kind of realize the connection. We use the word dreams, but and we have another word that really aligns with pretty much the same level of perception or a type of perception, intuition, mm. gut feeling, hunches, whatever you want, but something that's kind of, we know it's valuable if we get it and act on it intuition oh i had this intuitive hit i acted on it you know lindsey wagner and i saved my life from getting on the plane in that case she remembered the dream but really dreams are just intuition at night when the physical senses are turned down so in this case what's the value of intuition and if we realize that and say whoa i could be getting like daily or maybe nightly guidance about every aspect of my life i tell you yes i work with like thousands hundreds of thousands of clients who've had a yes to that answer uh, you can start to see it, but each person has to have a specific payoff. So we're usually trying to find out. And then people often say, yeah, I had premonition, pressing dreams. I didn't know what to do with it. Sometimes they'll get into guilt. Oh my God, I, I was supposed to stop it. Or maybe I caused it. So there's some strange beliefs. Dreams don't come to tell us something that we probably could have stopped unless we start getting recurring, repeating dream, or, you know, it's like a clear, vivid one, one night, but usually we get a little bit of practice. So, you know, I've seen mothers get like a warning dream was prescient. It was very clear. And then the thing happened. They didn't do something about it. They say, it's not for guilt. You don't have to feel bad. It's probably a learning, like a quickening. Next time you get one like that, then you listen, right? She goes, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it comes as a bit of a training. And then later, let's say if you're starting to really get your dream door open, give a few techniques in a moment then yeah, premonitions are going to come, telepathy, it's pretty natural, it's just the doors open, so now you're going to get the inner senses and the inner info coming. Uh, physical things we can do, so that's important now, just befriend it and realize the value. But let's say a little more practically, wake up really gently. What does that mean? That means if you moved, just go back to that same body position you woke up in. If you didn't move, great, you can set your intention before sleep, just wake up and stay still. That can really help different blood flow, no sensory input on the touch. Uh, ideally, try not to wake up to an alarm. You know, the sound can blow us out pretty quickly. So if you have to have your alarm to get to work or whatever, just set your body clock, set an intention, let's say, uh, maybe 15 minutes before. So you have enough time to quietly wake up, remember a dream or two, maybe write it down, send an email, act on it, mm -hmm. and then, you know, wake up and do your day to go to work or school or whatever. So that those two things, and then eyes. So physical senses, keeping them low. If you wake you wake up and open your eyes, just kind of close them the moment you remember. Or ideally, don't open them at all. I'm not saying for five minutes because then you might be back on on the pillow again. But maybe uh, thirty seconds, sixty seconds, just to get a few snippets. And then usually it helps to record it, depending how much how old you are here. There's actual research that shows writing might be better if you're a little bit, let's say. Uh, age group of like Richard and myself. Uh, but if you're younger, you could type it into a computer or maybe a smartphone. I usually encourage smartphones when there's daylight so you don't blow out your eyes too much, you know. Uh, but you could do it in a way that you're kind of used to and that'll help develop your intuition while you're writing or while you're texting. So there's a little side payoff there for somehow recording it. And usually many people find the moment they act on kind of putting a little date down, maybe a title even, just a few words, the rest of the dream comes, some details more and more. And usually within a week or two, all my students are able to have the dream recall door pretty wide open, like a week or two. So it's just there for the asking, but not everybody asks.
Do you keep detailed dream journals still? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much every night, except uh, if I'm out crazy partying one night too much. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll usually kind of, and here's a little tip. So it's a good question, but we'll, we'll make something beneficial for listeners. I use a different word here on purpose, but I'm going to reframe it a little. So the first waking thought, let's say kind of the initial thought that's in quotes that you wake up with that's often you know the answer to sleep on it or maybe just something you didn't know you were intentioning before sleep but you were just thinking about that relationship challenge you're having or maybe you're wondering about how you could make more money or whatever the the need was you didn't intentionally think of it but it was in your mind before sleep or when you woke up in the middle of the night and then you'll see that often the first waking thought which might not have a visual like dream-like storyline is a pretty strong insight or what I call an action item from the night's meetings. <laughs> Dear waking self, you know, we don't, we know you don't have time to write down your four dreams, but executive summary, you know, go call Jody today. <laughs> so we saw Jody maybe in the dream, or we just felt of Jody's energy or thought about her when we woke up. And it's sometimes a sign, reach out, connect with her, especially the first waking thought, not maybe after half an hour, an hour, but just initially that's intuition. Cool. Very cool. If people want to learn more about how they can cultivate these gifts that we receive while we're dreaming, where do we go? Uh, well, there's tons of great resources and books. I think uh, people might really enjoy my book. Lots of great reviews. I think all, almost all five-star on Amazon. The Dreams Behind the Music. Same for the website, dreamsbehindthemusic.com. If uh, it's kind of intro, quick, not too expensive way to check it out. Uh, hopefully you can check out Richard's show since I know he talks plenty about these kind of topics and other empowering, interesting stuff. You can find out interviews, podcasts for me online. If uh, you're interested in joining a teleclass, you can go to applieddreaming.com, two Ds in there, applied dreaming. And sometimes people just have questions or they want to work private clients, students. So please reach out. I always like to hear people's stories. And if I can help in a short, I usually just answer if it's something that might require a little more training, then I'll encourage and offer different ways. I always love to serve here with some of the, the, the many gifts life has blessed me with. So I'm on a creative super idea highway. You can see from my books and songs and things. So anybody I can share that with who could benefit, I'd be glad. Craig, always great talking to you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. All right. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 